0: Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. But the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance." and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry. And your way will lead to destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast in the week of March 7th. Last week, we released a special podcast entitled Praying for Ukraine, because we just couldn't wait until this week to send our love and our prayers and collect our thoughts, collect our interpretation of events, ground ourselves in God with what's going on, the heartbreak in Eastern Europe. We feel that it is just as important to keep that going this week and to keep the prayer Going, the united prayer right here of our listeners. And so, welcome back. I want to unite with you in prayer, and I want to offer some thoughts that I think will be really helpful to you. I also want our friends in Eastern Europe, we have friends and allies in Ukraine. I want them to know we're praying, we're with you, we love you. We want you to know that you have friends who are praying. Our team gathered to pray and to pray very seriously, not not a couple quick little, oh, help, Lord, but deep, focused, sincere prayer. And I thought that it would be really good for us to do that together. I know, listeners, you all have been praying and also wondering, how do we make sense of this? What is going on? What is God up to in the world? And unfortunately, oh, it just, it's so aggravating that, you know, leaders in the Christian community come forward and, you know, start putting forth their take on things. And you've got to be really, really careful with the prophetic. You've got to handle that whole world very maturely. I want to give us some perspective today. I want to see if we can pray together with power. But in order to do that, we first have to get our hearts and our minds anchored in God. You can't intervene effectively in prayer, and you certainly can't think about the news and and interpret things clearly until your heart and your mind is anchored in our Father, in Jesus, and in Holy Spirit. I think the friends of God can do great good in this hour, but first we've just got to kind of get anchored again and, and get rooted again. First, actually, I think it's important to notice what is it that you have been feeling. Friend, you know, texted me in the first few days of the invasion, and he said, "I am just so filled with rage and grief." And I was actually shocked, not by his rage and grief, but I was shocked that I hadn't even stopped yet to pay attention to what I was feeling. And I was feeling a lot of anger. I was feeling, frankly, some fear, heartbreak, and concern, and also like, whoa, what, what do we do? What do we do? It's important to name what it is that you have been feeling, what it is you're being pulled to feel, where your emotions and your thoughts have been going. Another friend of mine confessed to me that she was actually being overcome with feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, that she wanted to just curl into a fetal position. Because the timing of this in particular, the world has been clobbered by the pandemic. This is what we've been saying for two years now. And I have friends in Eastern Europe and one of them was communicating with me you know, in, in these days. And he was saying, this is so particularly evil. The timing is calculated because Ukraine was one of the countries harder hit by COVID and their health services had already been so deeply depleted. Everyone's exhausted. Everyone has been through various forms. And I realize it's a spectrum. You know, some have weathered this really well because of their life in God. Others have been deeply, deeply traumatized. And a lot of it depends on where you live in the world. And if you have lost, you know, someone in the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, if your company collapsed and or if you've been enjoying vacations, you know, there's a wide spectrum of this. But It's important for us to realize, Oswald Chambers says, look, you can't just pray out of your emotions. You can't even pray effectively, he meant, out of your empathy. You actually have to align with God first, get dialed into him, be one heart, one mind with him, and then Then our prayers can be very, very powerful, and then and then we are rooted in God's perspective right now to interpret. You know, the next news report, or if you're getting texts and you know emails from loved ones, and obviously not just in Ukraine, but Estonia, Moldova, you know, all through Europe. Frankly, now you know heightened, heightened anxiety, and so I want to just kind of stop and do this first which is deeply grounded in god if you have been following the podcast at all in the last you know several months and frankly through the last like eight months we have been repeating over and over again coming at this from different angles how important it is for the human soul right now to be very deeply rooted in our union with jesus Because it's out of our union that all strength and all healing, all recovery, all resilience comes to us. It's out of our union that we get the oil that we need. It's the very presence of God in us, the presence of Christ in us that gives us the wherewithal, the holy wherewithal to navigate a world like the one that we have right now. And I'm going to be honest with you, part of the reason that we have been doing this is not looking backwards at the pandemic. Yes, you know, that's been a big, big reason. We, you know, we consider it global trauma, and it's really important to, you know, reset from global trauma, recover from it. But we also did it because we had a sense that more shaking was coming. Yeah. So, woman said to me last week in an interview, she said, yeah, we are just exchanging one crazy, meaning the two years of the pandemic, for a new crazy, you know, meaning all that's, that's going on in the world now. You know, China's threatening to invade Taiwan and you have, yeah, all that's going on in Africa and Ethiopia and all around the world. You know, the world is a very shaken place still and i'm really grateful i'm really grateful for the recovery that many countries have been enjoying you know a lot of people have been traveling again and getting vacations and that kind of thing and that's really good but i think it's really important for us to get our perspective back because i thought one of the most pressing things that was said in the different news reports that i was reading there was a diplomat in europe that said look folks 30 years of peace is highly unusual. This war is actually the norm, and that's just true. That's not cynicism. That's not bitterness. That's just reality. I mean, read, read the Old Testament. Read human history. There are very few times in the history of the world where peace, for protracted periods of time, have been the norm and i was i was at a coffee shop next to a really it was a really cool coffee shop here in town next to a really cool bakery last saturday and i was waiting in line at the bakery to get some of their delicious bread and and i was watching the people kind of coming and going and people going into this very hip coffee shop and i was just you know obviously russia had invaded ukraine and i was watching what was going on i was looking at people's perspective Uh, of like, what is the world about, folks? What's your take? I am just looking at their body language. And this is Colorado, okay? And it was a beautiful Saturday morning. We come out of some really cold weather and it was sunny and it was warm and it was gorgeous. And, And I was looking at, you know, the younger people, all of them had like super cool flannel shirts on and they had the knit beanies and, and even just their body language as people were waiting in line and their, you know, hip down vests and stuff. I was looking at them going, oh my God, you think that the world is a comfortable, laid back and convenient place. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow, you are going to be really thrown hard if you believe that the world is essentially a comfortable, laid-back, you know, grande latte, iPhone, TikTok place. The comfort culture that most of us have been living in for the past, well, 30 years, has robbed us of resilience. It's, it's actually especially robbed us of mental resilience and we've been reporting on some of this as, as we've been going through the podcast in the last 8 months the last couple of years really that mental health services are overwhelmed that universities were reporting before the pandemic that mental health services would just be absolutely overwhelmed at universities within the first few weeks of a new fall semester of the start of a new year And I think a great part of this is because of the comfort culture. It has just taught us some things about the world and about ourselves, which are simply untrue. And then I was shifting to Jesus's perspective as he begins to coach us and counsel us on living through the trials of the end of the age. And he begins the Olivet Discourse as it's recorded in Matthew, we'll we'll do Matthew's version here. Luke has one, Mark has one, but Matthew 24 is one of the most well-known. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? he asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another Every one will be thrown down. And of course, this, this is going to happen You know, within, within under 40 years with the Roman invasion and the sacking of Jerusalem. Verse 3 goes on, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And I think it's really important uh, for you, know, you Bible study folks to understand Matthew 24 and all that he's about to say. You need to recognize they, they had just asked two questions, not one. Jesus had prophesied. He had told them the future. He said, look, the, the temple's going to be torn down. And so they ask him, whoa, when? That's the first question, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And that's a second. And as he goes through Matthew 24, he's either answering one or the other of those questions, and it kind of helps you sort out what that chapter's about. So Jesus goes on. Jesus answered, "Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors" of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. What is so startling Is that he actually doesn't rush to comfort. He takes a position towards them of resolve and resilience. He says, See to it that you are not alarmed. Whereas another translation has it, Don't panic. We we have such an important role in governing the life of our hearts, in shepherding the life of our minds and of our Our mental resilience. I appreciate that he says, look, there's going to be war and there's going to be rumors of war. Because the thing, you know, part of what's going on, obviously right now is everyone's speculating, whoa, where is this headed? Where is this headed? And again, gang, what what I want to get to today here is prayer. I want to to pray with you. But I'm just trying to get us anchored and rooted again, one mind with God, one heart with Christ. And and see to it that you are not alarmed is a really important feature of that. And the, it's the rumors of wars that are sometimes worse than the reports themselves. You know, is this going to go nuclear? What, what's going to happen next? And I, I understand those concerns. I completely appreciate those concerns. But for the friends of God, the first thing we do is we anchor ourselves and we ground ourselves in you know psalm 2 that i read this morning or psalm 11 which david wrote in a time of national crisis and here's what he says psalm 11 in the lord i take refuge how can you say to me then flee like a bird to the mountains for behold The wicked bend the bow. They have set their arrow on the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So you you hear the panic. You hear the speculation. You you hear the lack of groundedness. You hear the hopelessness. And here's how he answers. God, the Lord. Is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyes test the sons of mankind. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. His soul hates one who loves violence. He will rain coals of fire upon the wicked, and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will see his face. David is responding to a time of of national crisis by first getting his perspective on the sovereign God who rules heaven and earth and not giving way to the fear, the hopelessness, the speculation that in the first couple of verses people are trying to Speak to him. Do not give way to fear and speculation. That is exactly what Jesus said. It's exactly what he told us to do when he said, do not worry about tomorrow. I honestly think we hear that as a suggestion from a grandmother. Oh, don't worry. But this is actually a command. From the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, he says, Do not worry. And there are all kinds of reasons for that, but among them, it is the worry, the fear, the speculation that wrings a person out. It, it erodes your union with Christ, it begins to distort your intake and perspective of news, media, reports, it, and it is exhausting. It depletes your oil. It, it erodes the inner reserves that we need to navigate an hour like this. Do not give way to fear is something that is written all through the Old and the New Testament. And I, don't, I just don't think, friends, we're aware of, of how much speculation is something that we actually indulge in. You know, like a wild horse that we just let run loose. And we need to bridle it. We need to bring speculation in. We need to take every thought captive to Christ. As Paul tells us, we take every thought captive to Christ because we want to be the friends of God in this hour. We want to be the ones who are rooted and grounded and clear headed so that we can pray. We can pray into the war in Ukraine, and we can pray for global leadership. It's actually really important to pray for global leadership right now, because hasty decisions, decisions made in indignation and and justice and wrath actually might be wrong decisions. It could be Irrational or, you know, unti- ill-timed decisions, that kind of thing. So I'm just trying to get us aligned to swing back into, let's let's swing back into, let's turn back into Christ who lives within us, to swing back into, to turn our hearts and minds back into Christ and our union with him, to bridle, speculation and bring it back in to bridal fear or overwhelmed or righteous wrath we honestly you got to get all that aligned with Jesus and so i want to do that so that we can pray and I've been taking some notes i was thinking about how we were praying yesterday morning as a team how we could pray together today and i want I want to actually read Where I think we need to go in prayer, so that you kind of know where I'm headed, and and then go back and pray through it together. Obviously, we pray for the hand of God to intervene, we pray for the protection of human lives, we pray for those who are trapped, we pray for those who are fleeing. We pray for those who are in combat or about to be. We pray that God would strengthen the hearts of his sons and daughters in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine. We pray that he would strengthen the hearts of his sons and daughters. We pray for their union with Christ in this hour. And then yes, we start praying for intervention. We. We pray that God would send his angel armies to thwart the Russian army and to protect human lives. We pray for catastrophic failure in the Russian advance. We pray for collapse of communications, of supplies, of coordination that would utterly collapse. We pray for a loss of heart and a loss of courage on the aggressors, and on their leaders. We pray for great wisdom for the leaders of the free world in how to act. We pray for restraint. We pray, Father, that you would restrain Russia, restrain Putin. And we pray to walk very closely with you in this hour, God, And most of all, the most powerful thing we do is we pause and we ask Jesus, Jesus, what should I pray? So those were the notes that I took, and now I want to go back into this, but I want to do this in a a prayerful way together. And and the first step is, is the alignment with the heart and mind of God. We pray, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I bring my emotions to you, God. And, and then, friends, just what have you been feeling? Has it been the fear or the rage or the, the overwhelmed? Is, is it grief and heartbroken? We bring that to you, God, right now. I bring that to you because I need to be one heart, And one mind, and one perspective, and one life with you right now, God. I need to be one with you right now. I want to think clearly about global events. I want to pray effectively by the Spirit. I want to pray powerfully in the Spirit. And so, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we pray for intervention. We pray for the hand of God to intervene to stop this war. We pray for the protection of human lives, for the literal shield of heaven to come over human lives, Lord, to come over those who are fleeing and over all of the refugees now pouring into other countries, that they have care, that that there are help, that there are solutions, that, that there is provision there. We pray for the shield of heaven over those who are trapped and caught in the conflict. We pray for the shield of heaven over those who are fighting to protect human lives, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would strengthen the hearts of your people. Strengthen with a mighty inner strength the hearts of your sons and daughters in Ukraine and throughout Eastern Europe and throughout the world, Lord. We pray for the strength of God to fill the hearts and minds the emotions, the resilience, the perspective of your sons and daughters in this conflict. And Lord, we pray, we pray that you would send in your angel armies to thwart the Russian army, every aggressor, and to protect human lives. We pray for catastrophic failure in the Russian advance. We pray for absolute chaos, just as you would strike the armies of hostile nations in the Old Testament with absolute chaos, God. We release chaos into the Russian leadership, into the Russian ground forces, into every, every angle of this, of this assault. We pray for a catastrophic failure. Collapse of communication, collapse of supplies, utter chaos and coordination. We pray for an utter loss of heart in the high command. We pray for an utter loss of heart in the field, utter loss of courage on the part of the aggressors that they would literally lose their will to fight. We pray you would confound this advance, confound this war at every front. We pray that you would give great wisdom for our leaders. And wherever you are in the world listening to this, you can pray for your leaders. We pray for the leadership of our countries. We pray for great wisdom for the leaders of the free world in how to act in what to do, in the timing of it, God. Let let them not miss the timing of it. Father God Almighty, Lord of heaven and earth, we pray for restraint, that you would restrain Putin's hand, the hand of the high command, the Russian army. And we pray to walk very closely with you in this hour. Jesus, what else? What should I pray? This is what I do. Every time when I go to prayer gangs, I pause and listen and align and say, Jesus, what do you want me to pray? So I'm just going to give you that moment right now. Jesus, what else do I pray? We are standing united in these prayers. In these days, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, ruler, Lord of heaven and of earth. And so good to pray together in this. And I hope that this podcast reaches many of our friends in Ukraine and and in Eastern Europe, and even in the Russian army, that it reaches our friends there, that they hear it, and that it, it deeply, profoundly affects everyone, that it reaches. Okay, gang, um, before we go, I do want to give you one more thing. So the, f- the first thing was, what have you been feeling? Where have your thoughts been going? To bring all of that back into alignment with God, we need to be deeply grounded in God. And, and to have Jesus' perspective on things and, and to see to it that our hearts are not overwhelmed, to see to it that we are not panicking, that we are not alarmed and not to give way to speculation, but to ground ourselves in our life in God so that we can be his friends in this hour, and that we can intervene, uh, obviously in prayer and, and in every other way that we are called to intervene. But I need to give you a little bit more of the biblical perspective that I think will be very, very helpful to your interpretation of global events at this time. Many of you might remember the story of Daniel chapter 10. So, um, Jerusalem was sacked many times, but this was the period of the Babylonians, and Daniel and a great number uh, of the Jews were taken in exile back to Babylon. And Daniel is actually serving in the court there when he begins to have a series of revelations and encounters. He prays. He doesn't know how to interpret the dreams that he's having. And uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, an angel shows up. And the angel says, Look, I am so sorry I'm late. (laughs) And you're like, Wait, what? You're an angel. You serve the living God. And he says, Daniel, your prayers were answered the very first day you prayed. And I was sent to you. But the prince of the Persian kingdom has held me out for three weeks, and finally I had to go get Michael, the great archangel, the captain of the armies of the Lord, to come help me break through the enemy's lines here so that I could get to you. And I'm going I'm to give you my message, but then I, I actually have to fight my way back out. That story in, in Daniel chapter 10 is really staggering, because it gives you more of the picture, It gives you kind of quote, "the rest of the story that there are high-ranking spiritual beings that control the nations of this world, and that this is an angel of a living God. but it takes him three weeks of combat to get through to Daniel. And if we go back to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 32, there is a very important piece of information there for understanding the world that you live in today. Beginning in verse 7, Deuteronomy 32, remember the days of old? Consider the generations long past. Ask your father, and he will tell you, your elders, and they will explain to you. When the Most High "...gave the nations their inheritance when he divided all mankind. He set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of his heavenly court, according to the number of the Elohim." Elohim is not just the name of the Almighty God. Elohim is just simply the name of of gods, of of people who live in in the spirit realm. And the Old Testament writers use that word in many places to refer to what are called, quote, the sons of God, the angels and the other spiritual beings um, that you encounter in different places in Scripture. And what Deuteronomy is describing is that God has portioned out the nations of the world under these princes, like the prince of the Persian kingdom. And it was partly for their discipline. He said, look, okay, you, you don't want to serve me, you know, the Tower of Babel and the great rebellion against God. You, you don't want to serve me? You, want, you don't want to live under my rule? Fine. You're going to live under the rule of these other princes, the, these fallen, rebellious spiritual beings. And as you go through the world, if you do any kind of global travel, you enter a country and you'll go, holy cow, I can feel what it is here. You know, in in one part of the world, it will be death. In another part of the world, it will be greed or power. And you go into different cities and you'll experience this. You know, you go into one city and it's just, holy cow, it's so filled with lust. And you go into another city and so filled with pride and go, oh, okay, well, that's what we're encountering there. And then. What's important to our conversation today and to our perspective is God is not going to leave these guys to just do their thing. Um, You go to Psalm 82, God presides in the great assembly in the heavenly court, okay? He presides among the Elohim. He renders judgment among the gods, okay? How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? So God is beginning to like read this litany of his case against the nations. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. But then he goes on to say, but the gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. And then here comes his judgment, verse 6. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. And then the psalmist ends in verse 8 with a prayer. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for the nations are your Inheritance. A day is coming, friends, and we may be entering it. A day is coming where God is going to judge these, you know, princes, like the prince of the Persian kingdom. He's going to judge the rulers. Now, (laughs) let me make a quick thing in your prayers. Do not do that yourself. Do not take that on yourself. But I think it's very, very important for us to understand to have a biblical worldview here when you see you know russia doing what it's doing when you see china doing what it's doing when you see these nations you, you you're not just watching human rulers you are watching the princes and and we want to align very closely with jesus to see what he is doing in this hour so in 1 corinthians 15 paul is going on about the resurrection of christ and how critical it is for the doctrine of faith that Christ has been raised from the dead. Um, but then he makes the, the, this little passing comment about what Jesus is up to in the world. So you're talking about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, um, he says, For in verse 22, I'll start there, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, and then. This is verse 24 and 25. And then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Until he does what he said he was going to do in Psalm 82 and in many other places in Scripture. Okay, you go, whoa, wait, what? Before the return of Christ... And the resolution of all things, Jesus is going to put every single one of these guys under judgment. You go, Oh, yes, Lord, yes. And so, God, we do ask you to come. We ask you to judge the princes. For the nations are your inheritance, Lord Jesus. They belong to you. Come, take your rightful places, Lord, here, Jesus. That's an important part of of a mature understanding of the world. Anyhow, this actually was all just meant to be, um, we're with you, friends, in Ukraine and and Eastern Europe. We love you. Um, We are standing together, listeners of this podcast, in, in prayer, but we're also standing together in perspective and in maturity and in being grounded in our emotions and in our thought life. In our union with Christ, um, because we've just left one shaking for a different shaking and, and more shaking perhaps to come. So God has provision for us. Let us unite with Him and practice all the things we've been talking about. Choosing God in this hour over all our other comforters and hopes, choosing God in this hour so that we can be grounded for one thing so that we can be his friends and so that we know how to live and how to act and how to pray in a time like this.